Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16. And um, there'll be some other verses, and you can write those down if you want to. I don't have a handout today because I really didn't have a... a, 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 There's really not uh, an outline today. It's kind of just a a shotgun blast. So uh, I'll tell you like I've been telling you for a few weeks now. Put your seatbelt on, your Bible seatbelt on, buckle in, get ready. Uh, I'm going to move quick. I'm going to move through this, and we're going to be timely. But we've, we began this series, I guess now this is about the sixth or seventh week of this. We, this is the one, two, three, four, five. This is the fifth uh, message in this, in this series of when God asks us why. You know, we ask God why a lot. And I've shared this as we've gone. You know, Psalm 50, 21, the last part of that verse says, You thought I was altogether like you. You know what? That's where we run into problems. We think God is like us, or we think God should be like us, or He ought to be like us. He ought to think the way we do. He ought to do the things that we do. Really, we think He ought to just consult us and do things in life the way we think they should be. And that's ultimately what we run into. That's when the discipline connect happens. And that's when we ask God a lot of times, why did you let this happen to me? Why did this happen now? Why didn't it happen to somebody else? I'm, I'm more spiritual than that person. Why didn't you let it happen to them? And we get into all these whys. So we've been looking at these whys and, you know, why are you fearful? And that speaks of, you know, God was, was dealing with us about his protection of us. And then we looked at why are you fearful of death? And really that deals with eternal protection. Look, if you're born again, you are eternally safe. If you are lost, if you've never trusted Christ for salvation, you ought to fear death. But as a believer, there is no, we have no fear of death. There's nothing for us to fear. You know, are you worried? Why are you worried is the question that God asks. And it, and it speaks of provision. He provides for our needs as believers. He, we, we ask the question, or he asks the question, why are you angry? When he's speaking to, to Cain, Cain killed his brother Abel. And he, before that, God goes to him and asks him, Cain, why are you angry? God knew why he was angry. But he gave him an opportunity to repent and to turn from that and get saved. And he rejected that again and again and again. And that's God probing our hearts when he asks that question, why are you angry? And some of us still battle with that. And God touches us and he says, why are you angry? He wants us to think about it and reflect on why we're angry. You know, we, the, the problem comes in to we're seeing things from the wrong perspective. Now, how many of you know what I'm fixing to show? I'm fixing to show something, right? How many of you are ready to see this? Are y'all there yet? I'm just wondering if, it, if I didn't show this, how many would come up after the service and say, hey, preacher, you didn't show one of those things again. So I've got another one for you, all right? So the, the first slide is going to give you a picture, and I want you to tell me what it is. And then it's one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it, okay? So, so here we go. Here's the first picture. So what do you see? No. Y'all see a faucet? I don't. I see scrat. Let's see the next picture. Now what? Raymond's going, I don't, I don't get it yet. Go back to the other one. Go to the next slide. Now do you see it? Now I see it again. Now, now that you've seen it, you can't unsee it. So that sink looks like, it looks like that squirrel from Ice Age. And it's just, it's perspective. You can look at a sink and see a sink. Somebody looked at a sink and says, that looks like scrap. That looks like that squirrel. I would have not seen that, but they pointed it out. But it's all about perspective, okay? So here we go this morning. Matthew chapter 16, a little introduction, and then I'll, 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 I'll share with you what we're looking at this morning. So Matthew chapter 16. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and testing him, asked, what he would show, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. They knew the word of God, but they couldn't recognize that God made flesh. They couldn't recognize Jesus the Messiah. They knew the signs. They could look at the weather. They could look at different things. They understood those signs. But what Jesus is saying, you can read the sky, but you can't read the signs of the times today and recognize who I am. Verse 4, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given 
uh, to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And we know what that is. It's three days Jonah spent in the whale. Three days Christ would spend in the earth. And then he would rise from the dead. He would be resurrected from the dead. That's what he was saying. It was prophetic in that. That's the sign. That's the only sign you're going to get. And he left them and departed. Now we come to verse 5, which is really the heart of of what we're looking at this morning. Now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Now that's just like us men. Ladies would have it planned. We're going on a trip. We don't bring lunch. We're we're going out in the middle of it. We didn't plan at all. They didn't plan ahead. They had forgotten to take bread. And so then Jesus said to them, it doesn't, as I read this, it doesn't appear, maybe Jesus saw they only had one loaf of bread. Maybe he saw that and he's doing it. But it just kind of seems like they're, they're, this is a reflection on what was going on and how they perceived it. But Jesus says to them, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, he says the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees here. If you go to Mark chapter 8, and you don't have to turn over. In Mark chapter 8, it's a parallel to, the, to this passage here in Matthew. And in, in verse 15, it says, Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So we really see that the Lord has given a, 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 a caution here to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and of Herod. And so, continuing in verse 7, it says, And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. So the Lord is talking to them about the leaven. Don't beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and of the, of the Pharisees and of, of Herod. He tells them to beware of the leaven. Beware that. And yet they're going, their minds go immediately to, Oh, he's saying this. This is because we don't have any bread. We didn't bring any bread with us. Verse 8, But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Now, that's the title of our message this morning. Why do you reason? Why do you reason? And we're going to explain this. But but he asks, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the of the five uh, the, the, the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets you took up? And if you go over to Mark, you see they answered. They remembered. They remembered. They answered 12 baskets. Verse 10, nor the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many large baskets you took up. Again, Mark records it, and, and, and they answered the question. They remembered seven baskets. How is it? How is it you do not understand that I do not speak of, to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees? He didn't say beware of the bread. He didn't say don't go buy bread from the Pharisees. He said beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So our question that God has for us this morning is this. Why do you reason? Now, reason is a word that we were talking about Wednesday night. To reason means to reckon Thoroughly, And that word reckon is, is an accounting term. It's, if we're going to reckon it, we're going to balance things out. We're going to look at it. We're going we're to dive into it, get all the details. So it's really, this is a thing about thinking. It's to deliberate by reflection or discussion, to consider, dispute, muse, Think. So what we've got here is there's this idea that they are thinking among themselves. They are, they're having this discussion. They're having this conversation. They're deliberating about why did Jesus tell us, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees? Why would we not? He said it because we didn't bring bread. He's chastising us because we didn't bring bread. We didn't plan ahead. But he's telling us not to buy bread from them. And Jesus is going, wait, wait, do you guys not understand? See, the problem is not the reasoning. It's not their thinking. The The problem is that too often we don't reason spiritually. That's the problem. See, God wants us to think, but he wants us to think spiritually. Verse 21 again, uh, or in verse 21, he says, So he said to them, How is it you do not understand? This is from Mark chapter 8, verse 51. He says, How is it that you do not understand? I say these things and you don't understand. Because, see, here's the problem. They were thinking in a materialistic way, not in a spiritual way. 
Here's Jesus talking to them, and their mind, instead of going to the spiritual, immediately goes to the physical, the materialistic. And, and so here's some examples. In John chapter 4, you're all very familiar of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman there. And Jesus comes up to the well, and he, he, he gets in a conversation with her about water, and he talks about drinking the living water, the water that I offer gives life, and, and, and this living water. And she immediately is thinking, well, give me some of that water. She thinks physically. She thinks worldly. She does not go to the spiritual. John chapter 3, if you go back one chapter, when Nicodemus comes to the Lord and the Lord's in a conversation with him and he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus goes immediately to the physical. He thinks of the physical. Well, well, how in the world can I enter again into my mother's womb and be born again? How can I do that? He goes to the physical. He didn't go to the spiritual. And what the Lord is telling us is, is don't go to the physical. Why don't you think spiritually? That's the challenge he's given us. So here the disciples think that Jesus is saying, look, don't buy bread from the Pharisees because they only brought a loaf. Look, come on, man. You remember the, that, that's what Jesus said to them. Come on, man. Y'all have heard that? He's like, come on. Are you guys kidding me? He says, remember the feeding of the 5,000? Remember the feeding of the, the, the 4,000? Do, 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 I don't need to buy bread. Y'all got a loaf of bread there. I'll break that up and feed 20,000. I'll feed the whole city if I need to. I can make bread. I don't need that. Stop thinking physically, worldly, carnally. He's telling them, he's challenging them here to think in a spiritual way. Jesus is warning them to beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees and of Herod. Now, understand what he's saying here. And the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. And we could go into all this on the Pharisees, but just understand the Pharisees, when you talk about a Pharisee, they were spiritual, they were spiritual leaders, but they were legalistic. They were adding to the gospel. They were adding, I mean, they would want somebody to become a convert, and then they just throw all these laws on them that burned them right back down. And it's the adding to and the taking away from, from the law. They were the religious leaders of the day. Now, the Sadducees, they were this Jewish sect. They were a group of the society there. And here's what they did. They emphasized the acceptance of the written law alone. Their, their, their emphasis was on the law. We're going to live by the law. Now, when you, when you do some study on them, we find that they were very much about the law but they were very, very liberal in a lot of other senses. When socially, the things that came out, they, they had a different approach to things socially. But man, when it comes to the law, because I mean, these were very, they, these were people who really, they would have looked down their nose at us. They were, they were just better than us. They were, they were of that part of the society. They were the upper crust. And, and, and they kind of lived their lives in that way. So you got the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then you have Herod. Well, when you talk about Herod here, you've got the Roman appointed king of the Jews. He was the, the government leader. He was secular. He was worldly. He, 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 look, government today, government today. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Um, when we talk about this teaching, the, the, the teaching, the leaven, when he's talking about of Herod, Herod would have been teaching. You know, the governor of, uh, uh, of New York, we might have been better off with Cuomo. And he was, he was a piece of work. Um, but this new governor, a megachurch up there in New York, had, him, had her come and speak. And she made a comment in there about that, that we basically need to become her, her apostles. Her, her apostles. And go out and push the, the, the vaccine. And, and, and so to become her apostles. Here's what she was saying. Here's what she was saying without saying it. Government is God. Government is God with the little G, but government is God. And that's what we have today going on right now in our country. Our government wants to grow and be, just devour everything, want to be over everything. They see themselves as God. They want to control what your kids learn. They want to control every aspect of your life. This will probably get kicked off of Facebook. But it's the truth, folks. Big government, it's always been the case. Government wants to do more and more and more and take more and more and more, and they want to be your God. That's why, that's why these socialists and communist countries don't like Christianity because now you have a competing God. You have a God that, that vetoes them. 
Beware of their leaven. And, and what he's talking about here is their doctrine, their teaching. Okay? So what is leaven? And what does it do? So leaven is a substance, typically yeast, that is used in dough to make it rise. So if you, if you don't use leaven, you end up with this. I, mean, I, like, tor- I like these little tortillas, right? The little, the little tortilla shells, the flour ones. I, li- I, mean, I like those. I like making uh, you know, quesadillas. I like making tacos with these, the soft tacos and stuff. But if you don't put, this is unleavened bread. It, it's not going to rise up. That's what you got right there, okay? But, but, but if you put some leaven in it, and it don't take a whole lot of leaven, but if you get some leaven in it, you get something like this, where it rises up. Now, anybody, anybody not have breakfast this morning? Anybody? I didn't have breakfast this morning. So, Randy, this is killing me because this looks good. <laughs> See, Randy, Randy Dixon made this. I, I texted him. I was t- talking about this, and I just thought, man, that'd be cool to show everybody. But this is what leaven does. You take flour that looks like this. You put leaven in it. It causes it to rise, and it can look like this. Now, I'd rather have this than I had this, okay? I, I want this. I want to slice this up, put some butter on it, a little garlic, toast it, and have some spaghetti with it. And uh, All right, I need to hush. This is good. Now, Randy Dixon is an artist, and you see it right here. All right, you see that, I mean, isn't that beautiful? What a great work. But that's what leaven does. And see here, leaven is this yeast or, or what? But here's the thing about it. It, it. It's placed in the dough and it spreads throughout the entire lump. What's the, what's the a little leaven? It gets, it leavens the whole lump, right? So the whole lump, you put, it only takes a little and it's going to spread through everything. So what he's telling here is he's, he's saying this leaven, this teaching, be careful who you listen to, be careful what you listen to because it's leaven and who you listen to and what you listen to when it gets in, it affects everything. That's what he's saying. It's in there. So when you put it in the bread, it rises and it grows. The teaching that you listen to, listen, when you put it in your life, it's going to grow. It's going to manifest in your life. So the things you believe do matter. Doctrine matters. Teaching matters. It's not multiple choice when it comes to the Word of God. It's not multiple choice when it comes to truth. It's not make us up as we go along. We have what we need. So, so what is taught spreads through the entire lump. So he's asking, why do you reason this way? Why, why do you think carnally, physically? You don't think spiritually. And the, le- the whole lesson basically is you've got to look at these things and think spiritually. Be careful who you listen to, what you listen to, because it will mess up your whole life. Too often today, we want to adjust the Bible to the culture of the day. Amen? We, we hear this. He couldn't have really meant that. You know, that's the same lie Satan used in the garden. Did, did God really say? That's what we have today. When someone doesn't like what the scriptures say, we just, they just try to throw doubt on it. Did, God, God didn't really say that. He never used that word in the scriptures. He didn't say that. He never condemned this. Um, wait a minute. It was condemned back here. Wait, who wrote the word of God? The Holy Spirit inspired the, inspired the Word of God, right? So God wrote it. Is Jesus God? Yes, He is. So there He did say it. Ah, oh, how about that? Amazing how that works. But here's where we're at today. We've got the whole culture and stuff, and churches even, who are taking sexuality, homosexuality, transgenderism, women pastors, sex outside of marriage, substance use and abuse, little white lies. You know, we've embraced that. We've rationalized that. Divorce. Gossip. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wrote that wrong. I should have wrote down prayer request. Prayer request. Prayer request. Church attendance. You know, we, we rationalized that away. Did, did God really mean in person? Did he really mean we should gather together? I don't know if that's what he meant. He just meant we should open the Bible. Maybe if I'm having my quiet time, that qualifies. That's not what he said. Uh, even, even look, church, uh, church tense, but even creation and evolution. Of course, that's been a battle that's been going on for a long time. 
goes back to, I love Ken Ham. I love the work he does with Answers in Genesis, and he's done work for a long, long time. But I love that he goes back and he focuses on the first 11 chapters of Genesis because, listen, if it ain't true, you can throw the rest of it out. And that's what they're trying to do. They understand it. The liberals, the, the leftists, the, the anti-God, the scoffer knows that. They, they try to undermine Genesis. Oh, well, God didn't really create. You know, it was, you know, we evolved. We, well, if you evolved, then you take God out of it, right? So they try to take away the word of God. And we, churches all over America, are trying to make the Bible, oh, well, let's, let's make this work with culture. Well, even global warming, which is, by the way, is a religion today. It's not science, that's a religion. And the whole love your neighbor and forfeit your freedoms. I'm sick of hearing about, you know, love your neighbor. Um, I got a video that, that I want you to see. If, if you've got questions about all that, I, I, let me make something clear. I'm not anti-vaccine. Not at all. If you want to get a vaccine, get a vaccine. I'm anti-God. I'm anti-little God, G-O-D, little G-O-D, G-O-V-T, mandating these things for everybody. And then, and then telling you you got to have a card to go to a restaurant or to, to buy groceries. And it's not just here in America. It's all over the world this stuff is going on. There are people in other countries. I was reading on Twitter yesterday, and there are people in other countries who are having to go out now to open-air markets because they're not allowed in a grocery store. And the open-air markets are popping up because there's nowhere to get food otherwise. You know, and, and in Germany, of all places, some guys in Germany have recommended wearing a yellow badge. Not, I'm not lying. You would think, no way, preacher, there's no way. Germany, they wouldn't put a yellow badge on somebody to identify them as the inferiors of our society. They want the unvaccinated to wear a badge because you're the lower lives in, in society. This is, it's called, listen, it's a, this has become a political message. Um, it's, it's the push for socialism today, folks. Anti-God, am I against socialism? I'm a thousand percent against socialism because it's an anti-God religion. They're against God. They want to control this country. They want to control you. They want to tell you when you can worship, how you can worship, and who you can worship. Oh, and by the way, the governor of New York, she, she, speaking in this church, let me, let me caution you all. Be careful. Be careful. Just because a celebrity says I'm a Christian, be careful. I don't know a whole lot about that church up there, that, that church, but I have a feeling if you bring this leftist governor of New York into your church and give her the pulpit and it wasn't a short speech it was a long speech I'm not real sure they're very very sound on doctrine and there's a celebrity that's come out and he's made some comments and I like the guy I hope he's a believer but he goes to that church just because somebody just because somebody went to McDonald's doesn't make them a hamburger okay so be careful. Doctrine matters. It matters what we're hearing from the Pharisees, religious leaders today who are speaking lies. Joel Osteen, I've had people that didn't like that, but Joel Osteen is a heretic. That's right. And I'll say it and it's out there for the world. He's a heretic. He does not confirm that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Oh, Jesus is a way to heaven. There's a lot of ways to heaven. I've heard it out of his own mouth. He does not preach the gospel, the biblical gospel. Be careful who you listen to. Vet them out. Know what they believe before you're going to listen to what they have to say. Now, if you understand where they're coming from, eat the fish and spit out the bones. But you better understand where they're coming from or you'll be gone. Oh, well, he's a Christian and he said so-and-so. So you got the Pharisees, you got the Sadducees. Boy, I'll buy the law. We're going to do it just like this. I don't believe in, I don't believe in, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll go back. Be careful what you listen to. We should never take the Bible to science to figure things out. I'm sick of Christians who want to take the Bible and try to make it fit. They want to make Genesis, the, the creation account, fit with evolutionary theories. Why in the world would we take the truth God gave us this truth. This is truth. 
And we want to make that fit inside of a theory. That is an anti-God theory. All there to, to explain away God, to get rid of God. And Christians want to make it fit. We should never take the Bible to science. We should never take the Bible to the culture to figure things out. Well, you know, it's just a different day. And, you know, Paul was a sexist. Paul, Paul, Paul was a sexist, so there shouldn't be women preachers. Scriptures are very clear on that. There's nothing sexist about that. It's God's plan. We all have a different role. But don't get caught up in listening to the lies of Herod, the political leaders, the, the um, political correctness, the changing definitions of words. And you go, oh, yeah, well, I believe that. Be careful because they've hijacked words and they changed the meaning of them so that you think you're agreeing with them the whole time. They're, they're 180 degrees away from what you believe. Be careful what you listen to. Science and culture must come to the Bible to be right. Amen? Amen. When the scriptures speak of anything, whether it's science or history or health or culture, the Bible is always right. It can't be and it isn't just whatever we want to believe. It's not. The Pharisees, they made men's beliefs the teaching of the day. They made what they wanted to be. We're going to make this as the law. It wasn't what the scripture said. It wasn't what the Bible said. It's what they said. We always have to go back to the scripture. I'll give you an example. So um, we've had a couple of times, I think, since I've been here, we've called for prayer and fasting. 24-hour period. Church, let's, let's fast. Let's fast together. But, but that, that's something. Now, now, fasting is spoke of in scripture. The Bible talks about it. We should do it. It's a good thing. Um, but we can't make it a scriptural mandate in that I said we should fast for 24 hours. And if you don't, it's sin. That's the law of man. That's not scriptural. Other religions today, there are those that would say, no, you can't eat meat on Friday. That's not scriptural. There are those that would say, when you take communion, you're eating the literal body and drinking the literal blood of Christ. That's not scriptural. There are those that would tell you, you have to speak in tongues to prove that you're born again. Not scriptural. There are those who tell you infants should be baptized. Not scriptural. There are those who tell you that there's baptismal regeneration, which means you are saved by baptism. It's not faith. It's you getting in the pool and being dunked. That's what saves you. That sounds good, but that's works. Well, I'm going to go get baptized. It's all about me. It's not how it works. It's not scriptural. See, it's your personal decision to trust Christ for salvation that saves. It's not being baptized that saves. It's not a child baptism that gets them to heaven. Look, the thief on the cross was never baptized, never even attended church. And Jesus told him on that day, he said, on this day, on this very day, you'll be with me in paradise. Never baptized. Didn't join a church. Preacher, I thought you had to be a Baptist to go to heaven. Nope. Nope. Now, if you, want to, if you want to be in like the elite section of heaven, you should be a Baptist, but that's terrible. I don't mean that. That's a joke. That is a joke. There are a whole lot of Baptists going to get up there and going to be real surprised when there's other denominations represented. They're going to be like, what? What are they doing here? And they're going to be going, what are you doing here? Folks, we've got to beware of false doctrine. Okay, Acts chapter 17, verse 11. The, over in Berea, the, these, the, the, the people there, the scripture say this, says these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Now, there was a church in Thessalonica. They had formed a church. But these people in Berea, they were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness. Listen, and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They searched the scriptures daily. That's what we ought to be doing. Now, it's sad because, you know, the Jews from Thessalonica, the Judaizers, they heard about it. They went over there. They stirred up all kind of trouble. And we don't have any record that a church was ever established there in Berea. But listen, uh, they, they were sincere. They were searching the scriptures for truth. We must search the scriptures daily to know how to live this Christian life. 
I'm going to go back to the Word. I'm going to be careful who I listen to and, and, and what I allow in, in, in teaching and doctrine in my life. I'm going to go back to the Word of God. I'm going to search the Scriptures. Listen, the Bible is the only and final authority for faith and practice. Amen? So, so listen, we, we, this is catchy, but it, hopefully it, it'll, it'll stick with you. We need to heed what we read. And when I say read... Uh, you can read it, you can hear it, you can learn it, you can receive it, you can obey it, you can live it. But it all comes back to when the Word of God, when it is read, when we read it, when we hear it, when we open it, whatever it is, we need to heed what we read. The Word of God is true. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. First, uh, 2 Timothy two fifteen. be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. We have to rightly divide the Word of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 says, Knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. So, here's something that makes me cringe when I hear people say this. Well, what does that verse mean to you? I don't care what it means to you. What it means is what it means to God. What it meant to the one it was written to, when it was written, and why it was written. The meaning that it had then is what it means. Now, we can take the principle of the Word of God and we apply it today. But we can't just put a mean. No, there's no prophecy of Scripture. It, 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 no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. So it's not me reading it and, and making up and putting on Scripture what I want it to mean. That's called... Uh, eisegesis. Exegesis is when we read the scriptures and we let the scriptures teach us what they mean. So, uh, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the scriptures, the prophecy, the word of God is just that, the word of God. So it's not what I think it means or what I want it to mean. It is what God meant when he gave it. It cannot and does not mean anything today that it did not mean when it was given. Amen? Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Period. When the scriptures were given, when it was written, the person it was written to and what it was written about and all of that, that's what the scriptures mean. And it doesn't mean anything today that's outside of what it meant then. We try to put on it. That's the problem we're having. The Word of God is living, but it is not evolving. Amen. This book is the Word of God. It is not just something that contains the words of God. This book is the Word of God. It is the Word of God. Second Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God inspired it and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In John 5.39, Jesus said, You search the Scriptures, for in them you know or you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. Folks, when you open up the Word of God from, from cover to cover, it is about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is His story. The whole book is His story. It's not my story, it's His story. Every page of Scripture speaks of Him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 through 25. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and, the and its flower falls away. But the word of God endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The word of God. Salvation came through the word of God. The word of God abides forever. 2 Timothy 4, 2 says, preach the word. Folks, that's, a, that's an admonition for every believer. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Every one of us can preach the word. It doesn't mean you have to stand in a pulpit and deliver a sermon. That's a, that's a calling. Every one of us is called to preach the word to those that are around us, those that we have opportunity to. Preach what God said, not what you want it to say. Amen? 
The Pharisees taught for doctrine the commandments of men, the compromises of men, the corruptions of men. Matthew 15, verse 8 and 9. Jesus said, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now Jesus is quoting Isaiah 29 there. Verse 13 says, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near me, draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. They've corrupted truth. They speak lies. They speak the commandments of men, not the word of God. In verse 16, he says, Surely you have things turned around. Boy, that's an understatement. And we have. We have today, we have things turned around. Shall the potter be esteemed as the clay? For shall the thing made say of him who made it, He did not make me? What is creation, in it? not creation, but what is man, the created, say today? Well, God didn't create me. I evolved. I evolved. So God didn't create me. Or shall the thing formed say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. This goes back to we thought he was altogether like us. But in fact, this says we think we're smarter than he is. We think we know better than God. Really? That's what Isaiah is saying. And this is happening all over our culture and churches today. He says, beware of the teaching of the Pharisees. Beware of the teaching of the Sadducees. See, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're sad, you see. <laughs> That's cheesy, I know. Cheap laugh. But it's true. They didn't, they didn't believe in the resurrection. They believed that when you died, that was it. They believed that, you know, they didn't believe in an afterlife. They didn't believe in angels. You know, and they, what they really believed was this. They taught that the land is all that there is. They taught that Israel is all there is. It was, they really taught a national, it was a national salvation. It was about the nation of Israel. Wow, I'd be sad too if I believed that way. There is, uh, folks, there is forever life that follows this life. And our body is just our earthly house. And one day, you know, we're going to leave this earthly house behind. And my question for you this morning is, where, where are you going to be? Where, where are you going to spend eternity? When that day comes, where are you going to be? See, your relationship with Christ is all that matters. Salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, some preach baptismal regeneration, even infant baptism. But, but we must preach Jesus. Amen? Amen. Not, not my church. Don't preach First Baptist Geneva. Don't preach your church. Don't preach church membership. Don't preach baptism. And, and certainly don't preach your opinion. Preach Jesus. We preach Jesus. Um, baptism always followed salvation. You can't find baptism for salvation in Scripture because it's not scriptural. And you think back in Acts chapter 8 with the Ethiopian eunuch. So the Holy Spirit of God speaks to Philip, says, get up and go down toward Gaza. And he gets up and he goes. I love that. God said, get up and go. Philip got up and went. We ought to always do that. We ought to obey what he says. He goes and he's running along. He don't even know why he's running along. He runs up and he runs up on this, this, this caravan of chariots. And he's running along and the Spirit of God says, draw up close to that one. So he draws up close to this chariot and he's running along and, and, and he's listening. And, and the Ethiopian eunuch, who was a leader, he's the secretary of the treasury of Ethiopia. He's a powerful man. He's a wealthy man. And, and he's up there and, and Philip hears and listens and he's reading in the scriptures. And Philip asks him, he says, do you understand what you're reading? And he goes, how could I understand if someone teach me? And the, the Ethiopian eunuch calls Philip up into the chariot with him. Listen, that's how God will work. God will tell you if you're obedient and you're listening to him, he'll direct you to that person who's got questions, that person who needs to hear from God. Amen. And he'll send you there if you're obedient. Philip's right there and he gets up in the chair and he's reading in Isaiah and he's reading the prophecies of Jesus and Philip starts right there and he just preaches Jesus to him. And they're going along and they come up on, if you, I, I did a little study on, on this previously and, and what, what it says is they come up on this water but it really it was a mud hole. 
It's this big mud hole there. It's from a washout in a wadi. They've had a rain or something, and there's water. And he comes up. I mean, where they're heading was dry, barren land. And they come up on this, this pool of water right there. And he says, hey, what hinders me from being baptized? Now, understand, the Ethiopian eunuch's just been to Jerusalem. And, and what's going on in Jerusalem? Pentecost. What's happening? Thousands of people are getting saved. So he's watching from a distance going, man, what is going on? Watching all these people getting dunked. So now he's had the gospel preached to him. And, and I, I've not heard anybody else say this, but this is what I think. I think, I think this Ethiopian eunuch equated that with salvation. He said, well, what hinders me from being baptized? Because he watched all these people being baptized. And Philip says, if you believe with all your heart. And he says, say it exactly like he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Ethiopian eunuch came to faith. He was saved by God's grace through faith right there. The only way to be saved. And so they get down, he baptizes him. Not to be saved, but because he had gotten saved. And he wanted to follow the Lord. He wanted to identify with Christ. He want, and so right there, they baptize him. And so what does he do? He gets in his chariot, he goes back, and he takes the gospel to Africa. Praise God. But he got saved by grace through faith. Jesus says, why do you reason? Think spiritually. Matthew 23, verse 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and, and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. He says, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In verse 24, he says, blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, some things are more important than others. Amen? Now, we've got to get the gospel out. That's what's of most importance, folks, is sharing the gospel. Hudson Taylor. How many of you have heard the name Hudson Taylor? Okay. A few of you here. Hudson Taylor was a great, great missionary. I mean, I think everybody who studies missions knows Hudson Taylor, and they know the work he did. He went to China. He started what was called China Inland Mission. He wanted to get the gospel inside of China, not just in the outer parts. But here's what Hudson Taylor realized when he went there. He was, he was living and in, in, in dressed in Western attire. Not Western, but uh, the West, attire of the West. He didn't go in like a cowboy, but he was wearing attire of the West. So he wore his attire from where he was from. And, and they, the men there, dressed a certain way and they wore a ponytail. Well, what Hudson Taylor realized was the way he was doing ministry wasn't being very effective. So he decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start dressing the way they dress. And he grew out a ponytail. It was bigger than yours. It was bigger than your little rat tail there. It was a big ponytail. He grew, out, he grew out to match what they culturally grew out there. And so he's living among them. And what he found was it was more effective. He was able to reach more people. And, and, and listen, sharing the gospel is a weightier matter than the, the way he dressed. Now, obviously, if it was sinful in the way he dressed, that's one thing. But it's not. The scripture didn't speak to that. He was going to do what he could to win the lost. That's what he was there for. Some things are just more important than others. Amen? So when you look at the law, under the law, there was no work to be done on the Sabbath. Right? So you can't work on the Sabbath. But what happens if your ox falls in the ditch on the Sabbath? Well, they didn't wait till Sunday morning. They didn't say, ah, well, you know what, we'll pray he'll be okay till tomorrow because we can't work today. No, the weightier matter was we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, but my ox is in a ditch, so they go get the ox out of the ditch. It's a weightier matter. It's more important. There are some things that are more important. All right, if, if, you, if you're um, having a heart attack, and I pray nobody in here has a heart attack, but I've been in services where someone had a heart attack and different things have happened. And uh, so, so, so that, that happens. And we, and we go this way. We go, you know, as believers, we should, we should honor the laws in our community, in our society, right? So we should honor. You know, I don't, I, we shouldn't run down 80 miles an hour, down 46. 75 is okay, not 80. Um, I don't even know what the speed limit is. I just know if I don't go a certain speed, I'm going to get run over. And I got people behind me flashing lights and all that. Um, but so we got laws, right? You got speeding laws. You should stop at the red lights. But if you're having a heart attack, 
Do you want that ambulance driver to obey the laws? There are weightier matters here. We're talking about life. So, yeah, they get to the, they get to the, um, they get to the hospital and, well, what'd y'all do? Well, you know what? We obeyed the speed limit. And we stopped it. We stopped at every light. We obeyed all the laws. We did all the right things. Well, how's our patient? We need to get him out. Oh, he died. He died. There are, there are more important, there are weightier things, okay? And that's what, what we're looking at here. You've got you, you to observe the weightier things. Verse 24, Matthew 23, 24, again, he said, Blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Get the picture of that. Straining, you ever had, you, like, get something in your drink and you, you a little old gnat. We're, we want to make sure we get that out of our drink. But, but ignore something big and major. We do that in church all the time. And what's going on here? Jesus is chiding the Pharisees. And, and he's really chiding us today. He, he's kind of in our face. See, churches and Christians tend to strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. We can have huge fights about carpet color or brand of toilet paper. Well, we haven't had that here, praise God. Not maybe in a long time, we'll put it that way. Uh, maybe y'all used to have some good humdingers in the day, but we don't fight. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do the things that create for that. Um, there are churches that fight over those things. They fight over the brand of toilet paper. I can't believe you got Charmin. I never use Charmin. That's not, you can't, wait, uh, why are you going to fight on that? But they ignore the weightier matters, the spiritual issues, the clear Bible teachings. We fight about non-essentials and ignore the most essential. That's what we do. We fail to witness and share the gospel and we fail to live holy lives. And we're like the lawyer in Luke 10, 29, who wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? He didn't care who his neighbor was. He was just trying to justify himself. He, he, he didn't want to be responsible for loving his neighbor. So he wanted to Try to get Jesus. Let's define this, Lord. Let's reason this out. Who, Lord, is my neighbor? Well, the Lord made it a whole lot harder on him than easier. So, But see, individually, we do the same thing. We, we seek to reason and justify ourselves. Why do you reason? Why do you think physically, materially, carnally? Jesus says, think spiritually. Church, let's focus on the weightier matters. And, and what we've got to do is get the gospel out. We've got to get the gospel out. Matthew 23, 37, and I'll go ahead and ask the worship team. They can go ahead and make their way forward. We're, we're about to wrap up here. Matthew 23, 37 says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, as the Lord is speaking here, he says, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Listen to what Jesus said. But you were not willing. You were not willing. There was a stubbornness among the, the children there of Israel. There's a stubbornness today among us. There's a stubbornness. We don't want to receive the Word of God. We don't want to submit to the Word of God. We rationalize it. Folks, we have to be careful who we listen to, what we listen to, what we rationalize, how we rationalize it. We need to think spiritually. I have a friend, I have a pastor friend, talking about stubbornness, who playing golf one day, he hits into a sand trap. And so he, he hit into the sand trap, so he was determined he was going to get out of the sand trap. Apparently it was a deeper sand trap. But he gets in there, and the story goes, and I, I've, I have every reason to believe it's true, is that about 15 or 16 strokes trying to get that ball out of the sand trap, somebody finally said, Preacher, why don't you just drop out and go on? And he said, I got in this mess. I'll get myself out of it. Well, that's great on a golf course. But that's stubbornness. Folks, that's where we live a lot in life. Why don't you just do what God said do? I got into this. I'll get myself out of this. I'll do it my way. We follow wrong teaching. 
We reason amongst ourselves and we reason within ourselves. And all of those, we often are listening to the wrong things. So are you being stubborn against God's will, against His word, against His plan for your life? Are you rebelling against His word and His work and His will? Are you reasoning Are you looking at the physical, the material, the carnal, and ignoring the spiritual? Today's the day. Today's the day to deal with this. Today today is the day to adjust your thinking. Am I going to listen to the Lord? Am I going to think spiritually? Or am I going to continue to listen to the wrong sources and think the wrong ways. Now, if you've never been born again, and and I would, I, I I'd be honest, I, in a crowd this side, this size, I never assume that everybody's saved. There could very well be folks here this morning that don't know the Lord Jesus as their Savior, that have never come to that place of faith. Maybe this morning the Lord is speaking to you, but I want to encourage you with something. I don't really want to encourage you. I want to scare you. Hell is forever. Hell's forever. And in in hell, you're going to have perfect memory. Which means if you're sitting here today and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, and you reject God today, you push away the Lord on October the 10th, 2021... You're going to remember for all of eternity that I heard the gospel at First Baptist Geneva. I had the opportunity to be saved and I refused God. I rejected Christ and I shunned salvation. For all of eternity. That will be your thought. Today, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I plead with you to respond to what he's doing in your heart. You've heard the word of God. I know that the Holy Spirit of God works through the word of God to convict your heart of sin and to convict your heart that you need to be born again. This morning, if that's you, when we, when we stand to sing in a moment, Pastor Aaron's going to lead us in a song. This is a reflection time. This is a response time. This is our invitation time. It's an invitation because we're inviting you to respond to what God is doing in your heart. This morning, maybe believer, your reasoning's wrong. Maybe your reasoning's been materialistic. It's physical. It's worldly. It's carnal. This morning, you need to bring that and put that at the altar. You need to confess that to God and ask Him to give you a spiritual heart and spiritual mind to think of things the right way. If you're lost, when this music starts, I encourage you, don't wait. Don't wait on anybody else to do anything. Step out and come down here and let me take the Bible and introduce you to Christ this morning. Father.